Father, we ask as we continue the Upper Room series, uh, that by your Holy Spirit you'd speak to our hearts. God, that ever, whatever you want to rearrange, God, whatever you want to build up, whatever you want to, to shift, God, in our lives, we, we just give you free reign by your presence to uh, do that. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been working through a series called The Upper Room, and that's basically John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. It is some of the most powerful teaching found in the Bible. It is uh, Jesus' last words before he is arrested and later crucified, and he's meeting with his disciples in this very private setting, and he's teaching them. He's imparting some amazing stuff to them, and we've been working through this, and today we're going to talk about uh, being no longer orphans. And we've made it quite, quite a ways, but here's the text. We're looking at the section of text. Last week we talked about the relationship between, or two weeks ago, the relationship between love and obedience and kind of negative religion and, and what Jesus is looking for in love and relationship. And this week we're going to pull another couple verses out of this text, but let's read the whole text. So Jesus says, If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised again to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them, and reveal myself to each of them. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. And so out of that text uh, this week, we're going to focus on these two verses. John 14, 18, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you, and in John 14, 23, we will come and make our home with each of them. And John 14, 18 is really the uh, central verse, if you were to say there's one central verse of the whole upper room, uh, this is the verse. Uh, the whole upper room teaching is, is all surrounding this idea of God not leaving as orphan uh, and, and coming to us and dwelling within us. In fact, this verse, I would say, is probably the central verse of the entire scripture. If you were to say, could you sum the Bible up in one verse, uh, then many would point to this verse. The whole story of scripture, the whole story of God and our relationship with God is this idea that God will not abandon us as orphans and that he will come to us from the beginning uh, through the end. It is summed up in this and I know that this verse is, is very important to, to, to many of you here. In fact, I know for my wife, she's got a tattooed right on her left arm, this, uh, this verse. Uh, it is because it's a powerful teaching. 
And in many ways, uh, this whole series has been about this verse. It's been a whole series about this, and you will see some themes we've all already looked, looked at in this text of God not abandoning us as orphans. And because this relates to some of the other things we've looked at, we're going to start back in John 14, verse 1 and 2, where Jesus said this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, uh, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And we look at this idea of my father's house, which always meant in Jesus' day that the physical temple. Uh, Jesus called the physical temple many, many times my father's house. And so he's not talking primarily about the idea of heaven here, but he's talking about the idea of the temple. And we know in kingdom reality and new covenant reality that the church, that we are the temple of God. And this idea that God has, uh, uh, is moving in to us as the temple of God. He says here that I'm going to prepare a place for you. Now, where is this place? Uh, well, we saw that this Greek word for place is found only one other spot in the New Testament. And it ha happens to be in our text today. Where Jesus says, we will come to them and make our home, same Greek word, with them. And so this idea that, again, that we are the temple of God. And God actually comes and makes our home in us. That's what he's saying. We will come. He's talking about the Father and himself and the Holy Spirit. They are going to come and dwell in this new temple, in the new Father's house, which, which is ourselves. Amen. And it's powerful to think that God himself actually dwells within us, actually lives within us. In fact, in John 14, 18, it says as well, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. And so this idea is not that we have to go find God somewhere, that he actually comes to us. Yeah. Uh, when we open ourselves up to God, it's like God is just ready to come to us and, and to fill our lives and to touch us. Uh, he will not leave us as orphans, but he actually comes and, and meets with us and dwells with us. And, and when we open our hearts to God, you just can't get away from his presence. Because if we become his home, then wherever we take God's home, God's there. And this is what the psalmist says, like in Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If you have a great day, God is there. If you have a horrible day, God is there. If you're on fire for Jesus that week, God is there. If you're not on fire for Jesus that week, God is there because you are the temple of God. As Paul says, even when we are faithless, he is faithful, that, that God is always present. And this means we can meet with God all the time. Uh, that no matter where you are, you can just be in a conversation with God. You can talk with him because you are his home and we are his home. It's the church that God dwells within us. That you don't just come to church to meet with God, but wherever you are, whatever you're going through, you can talk with him. He loves you and he is good. In John 16, uh, Jesus says, The time has come when you will all be scattered. Each of you will, never, uh, will go your own way, leaving me alone. And so there's times in our life we are where we are actually alone when it comes to human connection and jesus said that this is going to happen to him when all the disciples flee he is arrested he is actually when it comes to human connection he is alone there's no one supporting him in that moment but notice what he says 
that I'm going to be alone in terms of human connection, yet he says this, yet I am never alone, for the Father is always with me. And just as that truth applied to Jesus, this applies to us. Uh, there will be times when we are left alone in terms of human connection. I mean, this is just part of the, the messiness of the nature of relationships and love, that, that uh, sometimes love gets broken, and sometimes people we've poured into leave or are not there, and there are times when we may feel completely alone when it comes to human connection. But if you've opened your heart to God, you realize that God is your home, that God has moved in. And therefore, if we feel alone in terms of human connection, we can always say, as Jesus says, I am never alone, for the Father is always with me. I am never alone, for the Father is always, is always with me. I may be uh, divorced, but I am never alone, for the Father is always with me. Uh, my girlfriend may have taken off, but I am never alone, for the Father is always with me. My parents might not be there for, for me, but I am never alone, for the Father is always with me. Uh, we are the temple. And, and so this is the truth that we hang on to, that uh, when we are alone in this world in terms of human connection, we have God, and he is with us, and he is so, so good. I promise in Hebrews 13, 5, God has said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. God doesn't give up his home when he makes his home uh, within us. First uh, John 4, 12, very simply, he says, God lives in us. And, and that is incredibly powerful. If you can just let that sink into your heart a little bit. I mean, the God who is love and big, who created this universe, that no matter what is coming our way, God is in us. Uh, now, what kind of God is this? Who is in us? If, well, I just looked up quick this phrase, God is. Because who is this God who is in us? Is, is he an angry God? Is he a God who's just, you know, all he wants from you is obedience and just wants you to be afraid of him? Uh, what kind of God is in us? Well, God is my rock. God is our refuge and strength. God is the king. God is my help. God is for me. God is our refuge. God is the strength of my heart. God is holy. God is full of compassion. God is merciful and forgiving. God is for us. God is wiser. God is stronger. God is faithful. God is light. God is love. And God lives in us. I mean, this God who is wiser, stronger, more loving is in us no matter where we go. And so no matter where you go this week, God is in you. And so talk with him. Relate with him. We've been talking a lot about the love of the Father and how we're seated with Christ and we are in the Father and how he's a good Father. I mean, just learn to relate to God wherever you are. Just get in the habit of talking to him and relating to him and casting your cares on him and saying, God, what do you think about this? Because he's always with you. Uh, wherever you are, God is with you. And so we are never alone. Uh, we, uh, it says, I will never, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And so God is with us, but there's a greater reality to this whole idea of not being left alone. And that is this idea that we are not orphans any longer. Uh, that God has adopted us, that we are no longer orphans, that he has adopted us into his own family. And because we are part of God, God's family, we become God's children. And by the way, you're not like the children, the child that God just had to adopt because he adopted the rest, or, you know, because he's loving, he decided to accept you because, 
actually, we're called dearly loved children. That the God who lives in you looks at you as you walk around with his presence in you. You are a dearly loved child of God. Ephesians 1 says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. And that is why through the whole scriptures we see language of family, like the church being the bride of Christ, and, and God being a father, and we being children, and that there's all this family language because we've been adopted into his family. Uh, he has uh, decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he, now notice what it says, he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. And a lot, some people look at the lives and like, I don't know if God really wanted to adopt me, but I think he just had to because he's God. <laughs> you know, he's loved and, you know, I'm miserable, and so God just had to because, you know, he's loving and I'm not. Uh, God actually wanted to adopt you. He, he looks at you and says, I, I want you. And it actually gave him great, not, ju not just pleasure, but great pleasure. Amen. You realize that you bring great pleasure to God? Uh, this is why the Bible says you can go boldly into his throne room of grace because he's adopted you as his child and he loves you as a dear child. This is why he says, just come boldly into the throne room of grace. Come up on my knee because, because I'm your dad and you're my child and I love you and you give me great, great pleasure. I want you. And this is the father we're relating to. This is the God who lives in us. Uh, we're no longer orphans. We're no longer left alone. Uh, it gave him great pleasure to adopt us and he actually wanted to do that. As 1 John 3 says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Dear friends, now we are children of God. So we are no longer orphans. We are children of God. We are no longer alone because we know the Father is always with us, that no matter where we go, God is with us, and this God is so amazing, and he's in us, and he looks at us and says, I want you, and you give me pleasure. Uh, you're my, my child. And so it's important that we carry this along with us. And there's a story, kind of in the physical, that helps, at least for me, to relate to this picture of God adopting us. And that is the, the true story of, of Stephanie Fast. Uh, Stephanie Fast was a child who was born uh, shortly after the Korean War between an American soldier and a uh, South Korean woman. And uh, there were many babies born after the Korean War, and of course all the American soldiers went home. And these children who were kind of mixed race uh, didn't fit in. Uh, they were very much ostracized. In fact, they had a name for these children, and they called them Tuki, which kind of meant like white devil, kind of the most derogatory term you could call these kids. And so the mother of Melanie Fast tried her hardest uh, for the, the very first years to take care of her, but it, it was such a burden uh, because these children were so unaccepted in her society that at the age of four, this mom abandoned this little girl to the streets at the age of four. And so uh, uh, Stephanie Fast had to, to fend for herself as a four-year-old. She had to steal for food. Uh, she was molested many, many times and abused, left for dead, and thrown as rat food at one time. Just, just the most horrible uh, story possible uh, for Stephanie Fast. But eventually, 
she actually ends up in an orphanage. And because she's a little bit older, uh, she knew she probably wasn't going to be adopted. Uh, but when she was at the age of nine, an American couple comes into this orphanage. And uh, it's gigantic. She's described as this gigantic American couple. And they're co they come into this orphanage to adopt a baby. And they start going around picking up each little child, these little babies, and, and they're crying and laughing. And, 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 and Stephanie Fast is kind of as this nine-year-old who, uh, this was kind of a horrible or orphanage. She, was, she described herself as being covered in lice so much that her hair was more white than black. Boils all over her body, big scar on her face. Uh, she was nine and only weighed 30 pounds. Uh, this ugly little scrawny uh, tookie, as she was known, in this orphanage. Uh, she had no hope of being adopted. So this American couple is going through and picking up these babies. And then this American couple looks at Stephanie. And, and this, the, the big guy comes up to, to Stephanie and takes his big hand and just places it lovingly on her cheek. And there was something in her that was just like, oh, this is what I've been looking for. That I just don't, just don't take your hand off. But at the same time, she was incredibly afraid because she hated men. Uh, she'd been molested so many times and abused so many times that she hated men. And she took his hand and ripped it off, his, off her face and spit right into this guy's face and ran away. But to her surprise, this American couple looked at this scrawny little nine-year-old kid who had just spit in their face and they said, we want her. This is the one we want. And they came and they took Stephanie Fast home to the United States and began to care for her and to mend her back to health. And, um, and, and, and Stephanie just talks about how it took her about two years to actually get to a place because she had been so broken to actually trust her parents. It took two years before she could actually look at her father and say, I love you, Dad. But eventually she got there. And this is a story of exactly what God has done for us. He, he reaches down in our messiness. We might think that God would never want us. Because I'm messy, I got sin, I've broken, I've done so many horrible things. But God looks at us in our scars and our boils and our lice, and he says, I want you. And he adopts us, and he gave him great pledge, and he brings us home. In fact, he makes us home with us. We are now his, his children. But, you know, it can take some time for us to actually learn what the character of our father is like before we actually trust him. Uh, some people, for a while, even they're Christians, kind of keep God a little hands-off because they don't really think he's safe. Or they don't, they don't really trust him if they really open up their heart that maybe God's going to do something horrible to them. And, and eventually, when we really walk with God, we begin to learn that he is so good. And he is so beautiful. And he's for us and not against us. And, and he's this amazing God. And all of a sudden, it, we, get, we get to this place where we realize that, that God, I actually really love you. And I just want to talk with you all the time, and I just want to relate to you. And it's this place where we move from this orphan living into this living where we actually see ourselves as a child of God. And it can take time again. I mean, it's taken me years, and I'm still growing into this, kind of putting away this orphan mentality and growing in this idea of what it is actually like to be a son and a daughter of this good, loving, amazing, powerful God. And so, um, maybe I'm going to pick up her book. It's a kind of a helpful story. Uh, but First John, or John chapter 1, 12 says this. To all who believe him, that's Jesus, and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. And this is how we become a child of God. 
And God's pursuing us. All through the Bible, God is this God who is pursuing his people. Even though they're rebelling, he's pursuing his people. And all we've got to do is open our heart. Just believe and accept. Just open your heart to Jesus. And God says, I'm moving in. <laughs> and it might take some time for you to realize who I am and how good I am, but, but I'm moving in. I'm taking up residence in, 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 our, in our lives. And, and, uh, and if you want to experience this powerful, good, loving God in your life, uh, open your heart to him. Uh, even if you just open it a little bit, and, and maybe because you don't quite trust him, maybe because you've been a part of negative religion somewhere in your past, and you've been abused by somebody or some person, or you know you have wrong views of God, and you're saying, I'm only going to let you in this much. But just start there and, and, and allow yourself to walk with God and experience him. And he's going to adopt you, and uh, you're going to become a child of God. Now, because we've been adopted, it means that we should no longer live as orphans. Because we are sons and daughters of God, and we're his loved children, whom he actually wanted, and we give him pleasure, then we should live like we're children of God. There's a big difference between a child who's got a name and a loving family and someone who is an orphanage in a, you know, like, like Melanie's orphanage, a orphanage which was just kind of run down and didn't really take care of you. There's a big difference. In an orphanage, you've got to fend for yourself. In an orphanage, you might get a gift, but it's not really especially for you. It's the same thing everybody else get, gets. You, you've got to try to prove yourself maybe so you can get adopted. And there's a lot of performance and anxiety and frustration, maybe fear as living as an orphan. But when you're a son or a daughter, you realize you're secure and you're loved. And that God is with you. And that, and, that, and that God appreciates you. And look, there's a vast difference between, between the two. Uh, Jack Frost put it this way. He says, as an orphan, you feel as if you do not belong. Love, value, honor, and acceptance are foreign concepts to you. You believe you have to act right, dress right, talk right, and do right in order to be loved and accepted. And even then, it still doesn't happen. You feel as if there is something more you have to do or to put in order to find rest and feel valued. With the spirit of sonship, however, you feel loved, valued, honored, and accepted for who you are as God's creation. You have no more need to prove yourself to anyone. As a son or daughter, you feel a sense of total love and acceptance. Because the one who matters most, and that is God, looks at you and accepts you. He loves you. He forgives you. And so there's this place where you real, begin to realize that you're no longer an orphan and that you are a son or daughter. That you don't have to strive like you used to. You can actually rest in this life. You don't have to continue to try to prove yourself to others. You don't have to fight for acceptance in this world because you realize that you are accepted. And actually free to live out of this new life as a son and a daughter. And so as we uh, continue here, I just want to look at various aspects of life and uh, look at some comparisons here. Uh, because maybe you're still on this journey from orphanhood to uh, being a son or a daughter, and maybe this can help you, inspire you to say, you know, there's something i, I got to continually work into. Or maybe you can look back over two years and say, you know, I've come a long way. Uh, however you want to use this. Uh, but just some comparisons. In terms of view of God, orphans often will view God as sort of this religious boss. You know, uh, God doesn't really love me. He's kind of out there, and he just tells me what to do, and I'm going to obey. 
And if I obey, then maybe God will love me. But if I don't obey, he's probably going to hate me. And, and so God, they just kind of are distant from God. A son or daughter views God as, as his loving father. And, and a son or daughter who, who realizes that they're no longer alone and they're no longer an orphan, they just understand that God is always there and that he is good. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God is with me, and he's a good, loving father. This is, this is the heart of a son and a daughter. Uh, we can look at community and the sense of hanging out with other people or the church community. Uh, orphans are often independent because an orphan doesn't belong to a family. <laughs> they don't have a family name, They're, and so they live independently. Orphans are often people who, uh, who maybe don't have a lot of friends or no close friends. Orphans often live within the church in a place where they never open up to anybody. Or they got to put on a little bit of a mask because they're just independent because uh, they don't feel safe. A son or a daughter, they live much more in interdependently. They realize that, hey, if I'm a child of God, that means I have brothers and sisters. And I have a whole family. And just as I'm messy, the rest of my family is messy. And so they're, they're, they're more interdependent rather than uh, independent. We can look to the idea of theology. Uh, orphans live uh, more so on a, a theology based on law. Uh, everything's about rules. Because in the orphanage, you've got to follow the rules. If you don't follow the rules, you get in big trouble. So you follow the rules. But when you're a son or daughter, uh, you live more out of relationship and love. And we did a whole message on this a few weeks ago. This idea that, that uh, when you... Focus on your love relationship with God. You just kind of automatically want to do those things that please God. But if you focus on negative religion and rules and laws, uh, you tend to just kind of, again, feel uh, distant, distant from God. When it comes to the church, uh, orphans will easily dismiss and reject other Christians because of their different theology. Sons and daughters understand that other Christians are their brothers and sisters. In other words, when you're an orphan, again, uh, you don't have a family. And so you gotta got to fend for yourself, and you got to look out for number one. And uh, someone with an orphan mentality in a church will often look at others who have different theology and just easily dismiss them. Because after all, I don't have a family. i, I got to look out for number one. So who, who are those people? I don't care. They, they're different than me. they got some weird belief over there. They push them away. But when you're a son or a daughter, you realize that everyone in the church is your brother and sister. Yes. They're actually my family. And I don't just walk away from family. And even though some of my family members have some weird, maybe theological beliefs that are different than mine, they're my family. And so all of a sudden, unity becomes incredibly important when you live as a son or a daughter because they're your brothers and sisters. Orphans will just quickly dismiss people. They will surround themselves with only people who think like themselves because they don't realize that they're part of this, this amazing uh, family of God. Uh, when it comes to approval, Orphans need lots of approval from others to help them feel secure. Sons and daughters live out of the father's approval. All humans need approval. All of us do. The question is, where do you get it? You know, we all need to eat, uh, so we do. We all need air, so we breathe. We all need approval. Where do you get it? Orphans will tend to try to get approval from other people, so they will always try to make sure they look impressive, they make sure they don't share any junk in their lives because they're going to look less impressive 
kind of keep people a little bit hands off, so I, I'm just amazing. Uh, they do things so that others will be impressed by them. They get all their acceptance from others. The problem is, people don't always accept you. Uh, some people don't uh, times don't say thank you. Uh, love between humans is messy. Uh, you will always feel empty, but a son or a daughter realizes that I'm accepted by the one whose opinion matters most, and that is God. And when you realize that, it just sets you free. Uh, you're actually free just to love people. You, you love somebody without expecting something back because you don't need acceptance for them. You're just, you're just free to love because you realize that you are accepted by the Father. And sons and daughters realize that, as it says, that God wanted us and it gave him great pleasure. And, and I'm just, I'm accepted by God. Uh, when it comes to service, orphans uh, will serve often from a motive of trying to receive approval from others. And God, you know, I got to serve so that people say nice things, so that maybe God will like me. Sons and daughters serve from a motive of thanksgiving in a relationship. Again, it's just kind of an overflow. Uh, God's presence. Orphans will often see God as distant. Uh, because an orphan, again, doesn't have a family. People tend to be sort of distant, distant, and they view God that way. But a son or a daughter realizes that God lives in me. And that God is closer than I could ever imagine. And, and they live out of that. Uh, spiritual disciplines, that is like things like prayer, devotions, fasting, those kind of things, uh, disciplines of the Christian faith. Orphans engage in spiritual disciplines trying to seek God's approval or get God's blessing or maybe God will like me this week if I just do the right things. If I just pray enough or you know, if I just read my three chapters, but if I only read two chapters, then you know, God's just not going to be against me this week. And Again, it's more rules-based uh, rather than relationship-based. Uh, sons and daughters engage in spiritual disciplines out of love and delight. I mean, I love hanging around with my wife because we love each other. Uh, I love hanging around with God, the Father, because I, he, I, we, we love each other. And, uh, but if, 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 if you just relate out of rules, like if the only way I relate to my wife was rules, that's not a real relationship. And so when you do your spiritual disciplines of worship, prayer, uh, it, 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 it's to be out of this place of connection and love and delight. Uh, and that's the heart of a son or a daughter. Uh, when it comes to obedience, orphans obey because they are trying to be accepted by God and are afraid of his wrath. <clears throat> if I don't obey, God's going to take me out. If I don't obey, God's going to send all kinds of problems on me this week or whatever it might be. Again, God is this taskmaster, this, this boss, this, this hard fellow up there. Uh, sons and daughters obey out of love and a desire to be like their dad. I want to be like my father. And so to be like my father, I want to do the things that he does. And, and it's just natural, this idea of obedience just flows out of this natural heart rather than, than law. Uh, Self-image, uh, orphans tend to possess an attitude of rejection. Uh, they just feel like they're rejected by God and always rejected by others and nobody cares for them. And, and, and I don't have any gifts and I can't do anything and everything's just horrible because I'm an orphan. But again, a son or daughter realizes they're accepted. Son or daughter realizes that God has made us all unique. And all of us have a purpose. And God has a plan for that. And, and we may not look like anybody else, but that's because God made us unique for a reason. And, 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 and sons and daughters live out of this attitude, again, of acceptance. Now, when it comes to comfort, I say you have a hard week. A boss is hard on you. That money you expected didn't come in. Uh, I mean, marriage isn't going well, and you're just like, I just need some comfort. 
Orphans will tend to seek comfort in busyness, addictions, escapism, and, and are just left feeling empty because none of those things fully satisfy. I mean, they help, maybe in the moment, uh, but, but then you just feel empty, and maybe you feel worse. But a son or a daughter seeks comfort in the Father's presence because a son or a daughter knows that God is the ultimate comfort. And no matter what I'm going through, even if I've just been rebelling against God to stay, I can still climb up in his lap and say, God, I just need mercy. I need grace. I need, I need help right now to get through this week. And God becomes their comfort. And all those other things are free to enjoy. Uh, relationships. Orphans will often relate to others out of competition, rivalry, and jealousy. It's like, I need to be the center of attention because I want to be adopted, you know. Uh, the sons and daughters relate to others through humility and unity and honor. Again, because they just realize that I'm accepted by God. And because I'm accepted by God, I can actually just be free to love. And, and so it, it frees you up again to enjoy relationships rather than using uh, relationships. Uh, others' faults. Orphans enjoy highlighting and exposing others' faults while denying their own. Uh, <clears throat> because that makes me look better. The more I talk about other people's problems, you know, that person's blowing it this week. I'm just gonna, you know, there's this, this celebration deep inside because, you know, maybe I'm doing better than others. And life becomes a competition. Life becomes just gossiping about others. Mm. But sons and daughters walk in humility and patience and, 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 and love. Uh, when it comes to authority, orphans uh, resent and fear submitting to any authority, whether it be church, family, government, work. Uh, sons and daughters are respectful and honorable towards legitimate authority. Uh, criticism. Uh, orphans respond with anger and resentment. How dare you point that out about me? You know, I'm perfect, and i got to keep this image of perfection out there because, you know, i I got to get my acceptance from the way people see me. So, uh, I mean, they, they resent criticism. If you criticize an orphan, it'll always come back. Now, sons and daughters will always receive it humbly, knowing that they may have faults they cannot see, knowing that often in criticism there might be a slight truth that they need to listen to. And even if it's not true, they still respond to it honorably because they don't have to prove anything. Because the one whose opinion matters most is God. And God says, I accept you and I approve of you. And again, it just frees us up to actually love people. And when Jesus says, loving your enemies, uh, you can only do this if you have the heart of a son or a daughter. Uh, ministry and service to others. We're almost done here. Uh, orphans minister by trying to make a name for themselves. Sons and daughters know they already have a name. Again, because if you're an orphan, you don't, you don't have a family name. But when you're adopted, all of a sudden you have a new name, and you got a last name, and you matter, you're part of a family. And orphans will often minister, and you can get leaders of countries, you can get pastors, you can get leaders in churches or businesses who just have this orphan heart, and they're always just trying to make a name for themselves. You know, I gotta do this to make a name for myself so people recognize who I am, that I'm Mr. Big Shot. I gotta make a name for myself because, you know, I got only 40 years left. I gotta make a name for myself because they feel they don't have a name. But when you're a son or daughter, you realize, I have a name. I'm a son or daughter of the king. And again, it actually frees you up to do what God actually wants you to do. You don't have to try to fit into some mold, you don't have to prove yourself, you don't have to be in a leadership position to get a name unless God wants you there, but maybe God wants you someone else. I uh, see so it just frees you up to do what God wants. It just frees you up to love, frees you up to walk with Jesus in whatever way because you realize you are a son and you have 
a name. Uh, position. Orphans live like they have no place or no name. Sons and daughters live like they are seated with Christ and therefore have a place and a home. And I think this is the last one. When it comes to life, orphans will tend uh, to feel that they need to strive, outdo, outperform everybody else. In other words, their life is just a everything is performance. It's striving, it's busyness, it's hecticness because I gotta, I gotta make a name, I gotta make myself count, I gotta look good, I gotta make sure I work at hiding my faults and making sure everybody thinks I'm amazing. It's just, it's tiring way of living. I live in an orphan, it's just tiring, it drains you, you're just tired all the time because you can't really be you. You always think that nobody loves you, you don't feel accepted, you're trying to prove yourself, you're trying to hide, you live in fear and anxiety. And this is where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary, and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I'm going to adopt you, and you're going to give me great pleasure, and you're going to be my son and daughter, and I'm going to accept you. And out of this relationship of being a son or a daughter, that's where I want you to live. And you live more out of rest. Our sons and daughters desire to be faithful to the Father and bring him delight. And it's just a more restful way of living. But when you have nothing to prove, when you have nothing to lose, when you need to live uh, for Jesus, it is a much more restful way of living. Let me just finish with this text. This is one of my favorite texts in the Bible, Ephesians 1, because it is just packed with uh, so many amazing things that highlight this relationship we have with God. Ephesians 1 says, Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. And I was going to read that one more time. And as I read it this time, I just... just Say, Father, what, what word or phrase do you want to highlight to me today? What word or phrase do you want to highlight to me today? Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. So Father, we just pray whatever you are speaking into us that you would, you would just seal that in our hearts. 
And Father, we ask if there's just a specific way you want us to respond to what you've been speaking to us. Father, we ask you just to reveal to, to our, our hearts, is, is there any orphanness in our hearts, in my heart, that you want to deal with today? God, when it comes to that orphanness in us, what... Is there a lie we're believing about who you are or who I am? Is there a lie that I'm believing about who you are or who I am? Just take a moment to hand that lie over to Jesus, to turn from that lie, to lay it down. And Father, in response, what truth do you want to replace that lie with? What truth do you want me to know today? So Father, we seal that truth in our hearts. And we push back any work of the enemy who wants to keep us in and living as an orphan. And God, we just open ourselves more and more to you. God, that any remnant of orphanness that left in our mind or our heart or our body, God, would just melt away in your presence. And I pray you would raise us up even higher and higher as your sons and daughters, that we would walk and live and think like we're your children. God, that every thought we have, every word we say, every step we take, would be walked in a way where we understand that we are not alone because you are always with us. So God, we give ourselves to you again and thank you for your work in our lives. And God, we just pray you continue to pour out a spirit of sonship on us. In Jesus' name.